0: Welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio. Man, every time I say it, it's just like, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. It just gives me this feeling. I hope, Hopefully for you listeners too, it gives you that that this like special feeling. But anyway, my name is Franco Penizo. I am half of the co-hosting team of this podcast, the number one podcast on Inter-Miami. And joining me as he normally does is El Primo, Steve Brenner. Steve, how are you doing today?
1: I'm very well, uh, mate. All, all the better for a decent... Well, decent win on, on uh, Sunday, but, uh, you know, uh, not a great first half, but really dramatic second half. And um, the best bit, though, was at halftime when I went down to go and see my friend Sergio, who lives around the corner from me, and he's attending to the stadium for the first time, bumped into two Miami Total Football Radio fans, Dave Stelnik who I already knew anyway, but my main man, Luis who uh, was very complimentary, less complimentary about you uh, (laughs) said that. Yeah, I think he said he he agreed with 75% of what I say. Um, I don't know what happened to the other 25%, but I'm sure (laughs) that could be soothed over with a beer. But he did say that, I think he definitely said he preferred me uh, Luis, tweet and let us know, but also he said that you were overcritical, and I had to agree with that.
0: Listen, um, if I'm overly critical of a team that's in last place, then I will take that. Because, well, they're not in last place anymore, but they had been in last place for much of the season. Um, so yes, if I'm overly critical, then I, I will accept that as my role here. And look, we have different hats, different sizes, different for all different tastes. So if you want the the Englishman with the English wit, we have got you covered there. If you want the the passioned Latino, you got, got you there. <laughs> yeah, we've got
2: that as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, we've we've got we've got it for everybody. All different shapes, colors, and sizes here on Miami Total Football Radio.
1: But, what I will say sorry, what I will say is that, you know, it was so nice just to see, you know, two guys who really sort of pleased with what we're doing and, you know, complimentary and you know just say they, they sort of said thanks for you know putting out doing the output and keep up the good work so thank you guys so much and thank you for everyone for listening and please keep giving um what you would you do on itunes stars or recommendations <laughs> or yeah YouTube? stars and reviews stars and reviews right.
0: which actually I, I saw i saw a recent review that we got um that was new the other day and i was like oh it was really it was really uh, pleasant a really pleasant review
1: it wasn't for my mother was it <laughs>
0: I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I don't remember the username. I'd have to go and check, but I don't think it was your mom. But yeah, speaking of that, if you haven't given us a review and you do listen to the podcast or you're listening to it now, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. It helps us out tremendously so that we can get further outreach in the South Florida and soccer football community. So please do that if you haven't already. Steve, we're going to touch on in this week's pod... The 2-1 victory over at Nashville SC. Inter Miami's now four-game unbeaten run. And we'll preview this weekend's match against New York City FC. We'll also return more to our regular Q&A session where we answer more than just a couple of questions like we did on the last one. So, got a lot to get to. So, Steve, let's get to it. Okay, Primo, so Inter Miami... Is now unbeaten in four games after Sunday's 2-1 victory over Nashville SC at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Inter-Miami came from behind to get the result in this one. This was the starting lineup for Inter-Miami. You had Nick Marsman in goal. You had that five-man back line with Kelvin Leardam as the right wing back. Leandro Gonzalez-Perez as the right center back. Nicolas Figal as the cent- central or middle center back. Christian McCune as the left center back, and Kieran Gibbs as the left back. Then in the midfield, you had Blaise Matuidi and Gregory. And then up top, you had the front three of Lewis Morgan, Gonzalo Higuaín, and on the left, Rodolfo Pizarro. So that was Inter-Miami's starting lineup. In this one, they fall behind early in the second half. A great header from CJ Sopong off of a corner kick, but Inter-Miami rallies. It gets a good finish from Gonzalo Higuaín after a nice through ball from Blaise Matuidi. And then in the dying seconds, last gas goal from substitute Indiana Vasilev off of a great cross from fellow substitute Federico Iguain. That's how Inter Miami wins the game. Steve, what was your biggest takeaway from Sunday's match?
1: Um, well, the first half was instantly forgettable, wasn't it? It was, it was dire. Uh, we were looking around just... Two teams canceling each other out. Remember, you know Nashville came.
0: <laughs> you just reminded me. I'm trying to remember what it was, but I, I remember telling you in the press box. I know you're bored because you're talking to me about what were we talking about? What did I was
1: you talking to you about? For some reason, I was talking about Train Spotting, uh, which is a film, a legendary film oh. uh, about heroin addiction. I don't know why we were talking about that.
0: I don't remember either. I just remember I was like, you know, I know that you're. That you are bored because you're talking to me about random things. I wasn't bored. It was,
1: bored. It was just not, there was nothing happening, wasn't there? But I just thought it was. <laughs>
0: Sounds yeah. like you were bored to me.
1: <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen Train Spotting, by the way, you should see it. It's an iconic film. Oh no, I was I was saying because there's a Scottish lunatic in it, and his name is Franco. But anyway, uh, that is there that, we go. that is, but it's, it's it's this is not relevant at all. Other than if you haven't seen the film, watch it. Um, this,
0: these are the type of experiences me and Primo have in the press boxes. Yeah. Fa- these but are fascinating exchanges.
1: It was it was they, everyone was canceling each other out um you know nashville came here on the back of what nine nine unbeaten so they were in decent form but nothing was really happening but i thought second half was much much better even although they fell behind i think the substitutions which were we'll touched on were instrumental in the win yeah uh, federico in break i thought was was really good really energetic that was a good move gibbs was a bit looked a bit little bit tired and then you know just yeah great great goal to, to win it I in indiana vasilev he I thought he was good um, that's a different option. Never seen him play before. I thought he was lively. Certainly livelier on the pitch than maybe in his press conference when he's quite media trained. He <laughs> seems like a nice kid. Um, never easy, but I thought he played really, really well. And um, yeah, it was just yeah a good a good ending, and they just about just just about deserved it. I think.
0: Yeah, so for me, the biggest takeaway was the performances of the DPs. And we'll touch on a lot of the elements that you just touched on here in just a little bit, including Indiana Vasilev. But I think we should start with the DPs because that's something that Phil Neville also discussed during his post-game press conference and said that this is the level they need to be at. Let's listen to his post-game quote and we'll pick up from there.
2: Well, I'd say, Franco, that the three DP players played like three DP players all three played like DP players when when your DP players play like that we will win games of football we will challenge for the playoffs Blaze I've got to say I've not seen him play better than what I have in the last two or three weeks for Inter Miami Gonzalo in the second half what I think about Gonzalo in the second half is is that if he plays at that level if he makes tackles if he runs around if he plays with that quality the whole team staff supporters are inspired and he's inspired so that's his level that's his level and that's how good he is he's world-class Blaze is world-class pizarro's world-class we saw that in the gold cup so when them three are playing at that level we will be a better team that's their challenge that's what comes with being a dp player the expectation the pressure and the and, and the need to deliver every single game
0: steve let's touch on each dp individually after hearing that because I agree that all three of them did raise their levels. I think Iguay and Matuidi to a level above Pizarro, but in that first half that you mentioned was pretty tame, not a whole lot happening, pretty uneventful. I think Rodolfo Pizarro was the most creative attacker on the field for either team in that opening half. He created two pretty good chances or decent chances. The first one was, was pretty solid to Kelvin Leerdam, and Kelvin pulled the pulled the shot wide with his left foot, but a good ball in behind there from Pizarro. Let's start with Gonzalo Higuain because I thought his performance after the goal, he looked like a completely different player. He looked like a completely different player. Very engaged, like we would say in Spanish, enchufado, which means plugged in, but just engaged and involved and looking like a DP that wants to put the team on his shoulders and try to win the game for, for the team. He was just running about, pressing uh, Nashville CS players, trying to win the ball back, making runs. It was just a different Gonzalo Higuaín. I don't know if that was just motivation from scoring the equalizer or just also if he's, you know, getting better physically, but he looked like a completely different player during during that last
1: 30 minutes of the game and also just going back to the, the first goal obviously it was a great ball but just a great finish by Gonzalo Green who I actually did think it looked a little bit trimmer he looked a bit he looked livelier so um you know maybe the maybe the training has has paid off but you know sometimes when the ball goes into the box and the, the striker's onto it unfortunately someone like Robbie Robinson he doesn't exude a lot of confidence even though he can sc- he can score and he will score in the future for sure um you know score a lot of goals but with away, as soon as he got the ball you just knew he was going to score and that's you know that's why you pay the those sort of guys the big money because in you know again you know we're, we are about a broken record we're saying it all the time if if those guys are performing or at least two or three of them are performing really well then the team have definitely got a chance that's the way it it kind of works in mls isn't it you need those star guys yes you have to have the solidity and and the, and the you know the, the team behind you but in the end of the day it's the big stars that invariably are going to pull you out of the fire. And I think, you know, for for, for the first time in quite a while, they, they did just that.
0: Yeah, we've touched on that quite a bit. We've said for a while now that one of the big reasons that Inter Miami had been struggling, not the only reason, but one of the big reasons was the DPs were not performing consistently. And this game maybe gave a glimmer of hope that they might be turning the corner. Now, it's one game. It's one game. So we'll see if they can sustain this, if they can continue to build on this because that's what's going to be needed for inter miami to push for a playoff spot obviously the other pl- parts and other players have to do their their jobs as well but if you get your three dps playing at a good level especially players of their caliber and of their pedigree um, then you're going to have a pretty good chance of winning games now, switching back to matuidi yeah i think this was one of his best games in an inter miami jersey maybe his best it's because he got an assist which by the way that through ball to gonzale Higuain at the hour mark was quality And a testament to Matuidi not giving up on the play because the ball... I think he initially tries to pass it forward to Pizarro and it it ricochets off a Nashville defender and it falls back into his path. Um, But he makes the run forward to to win that second ball or win that loose ball. And he plays it perfectly to Gonzalo Higuaín in stride. And Gonzalo Higuaín, with his quality, just has to finish it from there. A little Juventus connection there. DP to DP. So I thought Matuidi was good. And I thought it was not just because of the assist again. I thought he was just very... Concentrated, very into the game because at the end, the last well, towards the end, the 88th, 89th minute, maybe the 86th. I'm trying to, I'm blanking on exactly what what time it was, but Inter Miami has a corner kick that comes back the other way, and Nashville looks like it's about to to get have a very good scoring opportunity, and Matuidi makes a lung-busting, selfless run, probably 60 plus yards to try to help put the fire out. A cross eventually still comes in, but. Uh, but the header goes wide of of the frame. Inter Miami a little bit lucky there, but again, I thought Matuidi by and large had a great performance. He was named to the MLS team of the week, so he you know he avoided having the types of, types of lapses in concentration or the the lack of urgency and effort that we've seen from him in other games. This was a much more file, like I said earlier, a much more plugged in, honed in, dialed in, blaze Matuidi, and, and and it worked wonders for Inter Miami in the middle of the park.
1: Yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely. No, I thought I thought M- 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 Tweedy was was good. That was probably the best. I would say that was the best performance he's had since he came here, wasn't it? He was all over the place, linking up the midfield and attack, mopping up at the back as well. Um, yeah, I thought he was good, but not as good as, the, as Federico's cross for the oh winner. no, Federico's cross
0: for the game winner, um, which we'll get yeah. to, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah, that was a, a a lovely, lovely dime of a pass. You touched on Robbie Robinson; he did not dress in this one. I was told he has a head injury and he's being treated day-to-day. Was not told if he's in the concussion protocol for MLS or anything of the like, but that he has a head injury and he's being treated day-to-day. Maybe we'll get more of an update on Thursday when we speak to Phil Neville during his pregame press conference. Going back to Pizarro, just to give, just to talk a little bit more about his performance. We've touched on Iguain, we've touched on Matuidi. Um, like I said before, I thought in the first half he had as much attacking ideas as anybody out on the field actually more so than anybody on the field i think in the second half he faded a little bit eventually phil neville subs him out but again i think it's a step in the right direction for yeah. him
1: yeah yeah absolutely um, he, he did show some nice touches he was he was busy um, he moved the ball
0: he moved the ball a lot faster yeah. than he normally did there was one play where he held on to it a little bit too long but besides that i thought he moved the ball pretty pretty well pretty quickly pretty accurately um, and that's what you need from him In addition to having the creativity and vision to try to to find players in behind, and again he hit Kelvin Leerdam on that one opportunity in the first half with a nice ball ball in in behind the defense. So a much better performance from Rodrigo Pizarro, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he did. He did did fine. It's just um, you know they're not. He's not going to go anywhere now, is he? I wouldn't have thought. So I think they're going to. They're probably going to settle for. They're going to have to keep him for the season. So I think he showed enough there that yeah. Slowly, slowly but surely, maybe he's coming, finding a little bit of form. You're right though; he never looks happy. He never, looks, <laughs> he, never he, smiles.
0: Yeah, he's, I, I'm telling you, man. I think, I think something has happened along the lines of of that, but that's just again not information that's just my sensation from from the out from the outside although i know you're not you're not too enamored with him still because even in that first half you were still kind of like uh, uh, you were yeah, you weren't I, too yeah. happy and then as soon as you as you were saying as soon as you were being critical of him he helped set up that that one pass to Kieran gibbs who exactly, takes yeah. the shot on goal and then you were like oh, all right all right
1: <laughs> and then literally, i literally just said i don't rate him then he did the most astonishing piece of magic i've ever seen in my life and that was it i was i was, bold. I, was I was changed in that instant
0: speaking of magic uh, this is a quick little side note um you know i, I talked to my family over the weekend after the game and they're they said that you're no longer el primo that you're el brujo now which is like a witch or a wizard because i'm not sure if this is accurate but they said that you got last week's prediction correct also so that would make it two weeks in a row that you've gotten the prediction on the money so i have to go back and, and double check that fact but um mm. yeah they, they, they're calling you a brujo now not in primo
1: but i like that i like that. <laughs> because we meld the two the names together I mean we could we could. could. Brookmo sounds, sounds good. <laughs> Sound like P- Portuguese manager
0: yeah. so- something like that something like that um, let's let's move on to Indiana Vasilev he came off the bench and scores in the 95th minute a fantastic header because he, he meets the ball perfectly he's not the biggest guy but he meets the ball perfectly times his jump immaculately and again obviously a, f- a wonderful cross from Federico Iguain who who hits a ball in from a good spot um, on a play in which Inter-Miami was counterattacking, and Gonzalo Higuain looked like he was uh, he was getting by his defenders on a very promising move. And then the referee gets in the way, and the ball inadvertently hits him. And Gonzalo Higuain is livid. Phil Neville was livid. He told us in the the postgame press conference because the the play had effectively been halted and had to be had to be stopped. The, you know, the referee had to blow the whistle to stop play, and, and Intermani picked up from there thankfully for Inter Miami they were able to find Federico Iguain really quickly and then he delivers that that wonderful sublime cross and Inter Miami scores the winner thanks to Indiana Vasilev. So let's start there actually. Before we go to Vasilev, you know, what did you just think of that sequence um and obviously the admission afterwards by Phil Nutt was saying that he he had lost it a little bit or um, or he had gone, excuse me, he had gone in the in the moment before the goal.
1: Uh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I um you know, I wrote my match report around that for the for the Sun. Um some some website yeah just about the fact that one minute phil Neville was we, i was watching him he went absolutely mad when the when the ball hit the ref he was berating the fourth official really really going wild and then literally it was only like a minute later wasn't it Not even. If,
0: it was it was that seconds, he was going mad
1: seconds. he scored he was fist pumping he's obviously i think because beckham is sitting at the front there we can't see him from the press box now but he's sitting at the front there and yeah so and everyone was going crazy and he was going crazy and uh yeah, he did lose it. But, you know, that, you know, that's, it was, if you think back to that, you know, it was, it was very, very tight. They badly needed the win. You know, the atmosphere was good, to be fair. The whole, the whole way, the whole way through didn't really, every, just the singing and the noise was just constant. And uh, yeah, you know, that's what, so he was, excused to be getting, getting a bit excited by that for sure.
0: So now let's go to Vasiliev because I've already described his goal and you were really happy with his performance. Phil Neville also said after the game, he thought he was, Uh, that Vasilev was the best player in the second half. What did you like about Vasilev? What did you like that you saw from him during his 35, almost 40-minute cameo that also comes with a decisive game-winning header?
1: Uh, he was just positive, wasn't he? He was positive when he picked the ball up. It looked like something was going to happen. He was going past people with, with speed. Uh, he was moving forward. You know, you, you, with, I guess, Metuidi and Gregore and Uloa, you know, you don't really get that because they're more holding midfielders. They're just, you know, they're waiting for the attacking players to try and make space and make something happen. But he was making something happen. You know, he is, I guess he's, a, yeah, he's more of like an attacking midfielder really. But that was the first time I'd seen him and yeah and then of course then gets in the right spot a great cross but also a great run for the header he's got to be in the box um, no he, I think he he looked good and I think initially when he came it must have been a, a Chris Henderson signing I, I'm not Phil never wasn't I think sure to be honest about him he wasn't sure uh, but I think he's definitely sure now that he's a, he's a good he's a good player
0: I oh, wasn't as enamoured as as you were with, you know initially when I went back and watched the game sensation was still kind of more or less the same I do think he brought uh more of an attacking element to the team in terms of trying to make things happen on the dribble, trying to penetrate Nashville SC's uh, defensive third, Inter Miami's final third. I think he helped them in that regard. Um, You know, he was definitely making runs into the box, crashing the box, looking to combine. He definitely injects some speed into the team, right? Some of the young, fresh legs that, again, Inter Miami doesn't have by and large. They don't have a lot of speed on the team. So I think it's also notable um, that he brings that as well. I don't, again, I don't think he was incredible, but with the decisive goal and overall performance, I think it's a very positive step in the right direction for a player who is still trying to find his way within the team, still learning his teammates, surely still learning the tactics. I do think Phil Neville had a big part, again, in pushing the right buttons and finding this result because the game-winning goal comes from two substitutes. Federico Iguain to Indiana Vasilev. And I think at this point, Indiana Vasilev, like Phil Neville said after the game, might might start pushing for more minutes and potentially even some starts if he can keep this up. Now, Steve, quickly, let's touch on Phil Neville because we touched on the substitutes a little bit ago. But I think he's starting to find his footing with this team. I think he's starting to figure things out with this team. What are its strengths? What are its weaknesses? He has changed the formation into this you know, you could call it 3 at the back, but it's really a 5 at the back. It's a 5-2-3, it's a this formation that he used in the middle of the game against CF Montreal when he switched into it, the, that 2-1 victory. Since then, he has stuck with it, and it's, it's worked. It's given the team more solidity defensively, so they're not giving up as many chances and as many goals. And it's also helped them gain some control and improve the performances of a lot of players. So the team in general is functioning better now. And I think that's a byproduct of Phil Neville figuring things out a bit more after, especially after that five to zero loss, because since then it's been again a, a franchise record for a game unbeaten run.
1: But yeah, and that's why I will always champion giving the giving a manager, a, you know, a season, give him, a, give him a chance to implement his ideas. You think six? How many games really has he played? For Sixteen now in the league, maybe what was it, two or three preseason. So, you know, you don't, you, I guess it, it takes time, doesn't it, to, to work out exactly what the, potentially the best system will be. I'm currently into Miami manager on football manager 21. You know, I'm taking <laughs> my time. It's difficult. It's difficult. But I just think, you know, you just need time. And I, I like I said, you went back to last season. I always said, give Diego Alonso at least a season just to, just to see it. And I think you've got to be judged after the end of not one season, not now. But, yeah, um, he seems to have settled on, on that on that formation. Look, it's, he's, he's turned it around. But it's... Uh, like he said, baby steps, and you know it's still going to be a real. I think it would be an achievement from this position right now if they got into if they got into the playoffs. I think that would be a a good achievement. It's not to say they shouldn't. It shouldn't be a problem for them. It, and it obviously, it has become because of the bad form. But um, you know, I think um, they've 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 shown that they've got a chance, and if they can keep the the, the big players fit, then um, you know they should be up there.
0: They are right now in twelfth place. They moved out of the basement out of the hole that they were in in the eastern conference they are now in 12th place still a few points away from the playoffs they do have a couple of games in hand but let's not also get carried away this is just four games and it's only been two wins in those four games so let's let's see them continue this is definitely progress 100 percent. i agree with that but this isn't it this is not This no. is just only the beginning right these are baby steps as he has said and as you just mentioned
1: Eight, point, 8. points behind Columbus in uh, in 7th but I mean uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of games to go.
0: No, there's so, definitely there's definitely a lot of time, right? There's definitely a lot of time. But we're almost at the halfway point of the season. This weekend will mark Inter Miami's 17th game that that marks the halfway point and clearly they're not where they where they expected to be. But regardless they they're starting to give fans and give us on the outside some reason to believe that maybe they can turn this thing around. But Again, still games to be played, still games to be won, still points to, to have to grab. Steve, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back after that to preview the matchup against New York City FC this weekend.
2: Let's give us control in games. Uh, but I've got to say, watching New York City last night... You know we've got to be adaptable with our system. When teams play lots in midfield, we've got to we've got to make sure that we match them up in midfield. So it's a system now that we know we're 4-2-3-1, 3-4-3, 3-5-2. We know we've got two or three systems that the players are comfortable with, and and we've been working really hard with these systems for the last three, four, five months. Now we're beginning to see it flow.
0: Okay, primo. Switching gears. Inter Miami this weekend plays New York City FC. Another tough test for Inter-Miami because New York City FC is in third place in the Eastern Conference right now. It's coming off of a pair of maybe disappointing draws. Yeah, disappointing draws given the opposition. But before that, they had beaten the Columbus Crew 4-1 and smashed Orlando City 5-0. So they're on a five-game unbeaten run right now. They play Wednesday night in the contrived leagues cup i'm not a fan of the league's cup at all if you follow me on twitter you probably know that by now but what do you expect from new york city fc on the weekend given that they're playing a midweek match don't know how their head coach ronnie delia is going to approach that is he going to go with the starters is he going to go with the reserves like peter vermes of sporting kansas city did on tuesday night we'll see but what do you expect from new york city fc on the weekend
1: yeah, I mean it's um, you know they're on a they're on a decent run and they've had some some decent uh, home wins you know five 0 over Orlando four four one over Columbus um, so they've definitely got a, a goal in them uh, but I just think you know into Miami will go there with with confidence you know they know that they've shown that they can sort of defend as a team and, and hold things together when they got the draw in Orlando and uh you know so and they they're starting to score definitely create more chances so um you know yeah I think they go there in, in decent shape
0: so and this is an away game again this this game was actually originally scheduled for 3 p.m it's now going to be played at 8 p.m and it's not going to be at yankee stadium which for inter miami fans that's probably a good piece of news because yankee stadium for a football aspect from a soccer aspect is not a great place to watch games just the dimensions obviously are not made for soccer so the experience on TV as well as in person is not the most pleasant. I know you've been there. You you and I had both covered games there. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but it's definitely not not the not the best seating arrangement for a press box, and definitely not for the fans.
1: No, no, it's not. And you know, they we talk about Miami's um, you know stru- stadium trouble. You know, New York has been around uh, NYCFC have been around longer than that, six seven years now, I think, and they're no closer, I don't think, to, to getting their own. Their own stadium, um, you know, where do you build a stadium in the middle of Manhattan? It's, it's difficult. There, um, there's a little lot next to the Yan- Yankee Stadium, which I thought they were going to do at some point, but, um, yeah, I mean, they haven't really moved much. It doesn't see it, they're certainly not building anything uh, right now, I'll put it that way. So, uh, Inter Miami yeah, could it, have two
0: soccer specific stadiums, could before New York City FC, no, yeah, one. it could, it yeah. could, but I yeah. mean, Inter Miami's not also is also not making much progress on its Miami pursuit for, uh, for a plot of land, so, um. Look, this game is at Red Bull Arena. It's in New Jersey. At some point, you're going to see an Inter-Miami, New York City FC game at Yankee Stadium. And if you've never seen a game there before, either on TV or in person, remember this podcast. Remember this this conversation because you will most likely be uh, dreading dreading that viewing experience. Um, look, for me, Inter-Miami, it's going to be a tough test. I think New York City FC will field a strong lineup. Not sure what how they're going to approach their their Wednesday game, but... I, you know, even if it's a mixed lineup, I still would expect New York City FC to, to field a very strong team at what's being considered a home game for them against an Inter-Miami team that's on uh, on a roll as of right now. So, for Inter-Miami, Phil Neville said something during his post-game press conference that I think kind of maybe tipped his hand a little bit. And I don't know if he was just caught up in, in the emotion of the game and or if he if he wanted to do it on purpose, but... He tipped his hand a little bit because he talked about how he watched New York City FC's game from the weekend. And he mentioned that they have numbers in the middle of the park. And that because of that, it sounded like, and this is just me reading into what he said, sounds like he is considering maybe changing up the formation, moving away from this this 5-2-3 formation and into something else this week just to help give Miami more numbers in the middle of the park to counteract what New York City FC does. So don't be surprised if we don't see that five, two, three this weekend. Steve, for you, for Inter Miami, what is the key to the game? What does Inter Miami have to do to at least get a result, if not a win?
1: Yeah, create create chances. I think just try and be on the on the front foot as much as possible. I think if you defend, try and defend for 90 minutes, it you know it can kill you in the end. But they've started to um yeah, create more chances, I guess, but look more of a threat offensively. Um, Just need to be when those chances do come take them and they did you know they did do that eventually on Sunday, but there were a few other opportunities which you know, they they could have taken so um, Yeah, that's thing. That's the key
0: for me Steve The key to the game is what Phil kind of alluded to this past weekend and that's winning the possession battle winning the middle of the park the center of the field because New York City FC has some talented players in there. They have Alfredo Morales Peruvian, German, American who has represented the U.S. Men's National Team in the past who arrived from Germany this offseason. They have James Sands who just played with the U.S. Men's National Team at the Gold Cup and helped them win that. They have Maximiliano Morales. They have Ismael Tajudishai. They've got some talented, talented players in that middle of the field that can not only boss possession, but can also create and cause you damage in the final third. So I think... Defending with the ball as much as without the ball will be important for Inter Miami. So I think winning possession, being able to dictate the tempo at times and control the match at times, I think that will be important. It won't be easy. It won't be easy because New- because New York City FC, this-, this group of players by and large has-, has been together for a good bit. A lot of the pieces have been in place, so they know what they play and they've been very good at that. So for me, this- it's, the- it's the middle of the park that, that Inter Miami has to really try to-, try to win in order to give itself a chance at getting a result at Red Bull Arena on Saturday. Steve, what line of changes do you think we could see? Do you think there's anything that, that Phil Neville does differently? Again, I think there will be a formation change. You know, maybe he goes back to the 4-2-3-1 just to have more bodies in the center of the park to, to counteract what New York City FC does. That's just what I think. But what do you think? Do you think we'll see a formation change? Do you think we'll see personnel changes?
1: Um, Yeah, he may freshen up. Maybe I mean, maybe Vassilev will, will start. Maybe Pizarro will drop out. Um, you know, Shawcross... Didn't start, did he, on Sunday? Um, he, he could come back in, but I thought they were pretty good defensively. So I don't think there'd be too many too many changes, really. But I think, you know, Vasilev would push him for a start, wouldn't he?
0: Maybe. I mean, you know, again, I think he's still working his way to his best in terms of his sharpness and, and in terms of his fitness. He, he said that after the game, he's still working to get uh, back to, to his best in this heat and humidity uh, in terms of his conditioning. So it depends where he stands there. It helps Inter Miami that they have a proper week's worth of training. They've had a good amount of time to recover from the game and uh, from the weekend's game, and they'll have enough time to prepare for New York City FC. So that helps Inter Miami. What changes could we see? You know, if Robbie Robinson's healthy, he probably comes back in. But now, now it gets tricky because now there's different players performing. Do you go Pizarro or Federico Higuaín? Do you go? do you go Indiana Vasilev or Robbie Robinson or Lewis Morgan these, these are now decisions that Phil Neville is going to have to make um, you know so what, what that's you,
1: his job man that's his job that's sh- all he has to do
0: sure so I, I would say I'm going to predict a 4-2-3-1 Nick Marsman in goal I think he goes with Kelvin Leerdam at right back Nicolas Figal at right center back Leandro Gonzalez Spires as left center back and Kieran Gibbs as the left back Matuidi and Gregory in the middle. Your second midfield line will be Lewis Morgan, Pizarro, and Indiana Vasilev. Yeah, I think Indiana Vasilev gets the start if Robbie Robinson is not cleared to play, if he's still dealing with this head injury that we've been told about. And Gonzalo Higuain obviously starts up top. So I think, yeah, I think you'll see a 4-2-3-1. And I think you'll see Indiana Vasilev maybe go into the starting lineup. Maybe on the right and Lewis Morgan goes out on the left. Or Indiana could start off on the left and and Lewis Morgan on the right, but something along the lines. That's my that's my prediction for for the weekend's game. Steve, what is your prediction for Saturday? Does Inter Miami keep it rolling? Do they keep it going with a, with another point or three, or will they end up with zero?
1: My 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 legend is on the line now, isn't it? With your family,
0: <laughs> <laughs> el brujo, el brujo. Let's see, if, let's see if you can keep it up, man.
1: If I don't get it right, that it's just shattered. That illusion has just been shattered into yeah, a million pieces. You'll just return to
0: the basic old primo again.
1: <laughs> oh. Um, I'm going to go 2-0.
0: 2-2. 2-2 draw. Yeah. Okay. So I feel Inter it Miami, my Inter Miami keeps rolling in terms of staying unbeaten with a tie. This is a tough one, man. This is a tough one because New York City FC plays uh, midweek. So they'll be on short rest, but they're at home. Inter Miami has to travel. Mm, New York City is pretty good. I'm going to say a 1-0 loss. 1-0 loss for for, for Inter Miami. They're they're on a they're on a roll. They have become a much more tactical team under Phil Neville, you know, making sure that they stay solid at the back and and focus on the defensive side, not taking that many risks in the attack. But I think against New York City FC With the talent that they have and the chemistry that they have, even on short rest, I think that they'll find a way to break through Inter-Miami's defense, and Inter-Miami doesn't score in this one, but we'll see. We'll see how they do. Inter-Miami has done fairly well so far against teams that are high up in the Eastern Conference standings. They've competed well. They've given themselves chances to win, and they've been able to win a couple of these. So they've gotten results against good teams. It would not be out of the realm of possibility for them to get a result here against New York City FC. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. We'll leave that there. We'll take another quick break and we'll do our Q&A session after this. It's Q&A time And we're going back to our regular Q&A type session Where we answer several of the questions we've got Or most of the questions we've got The first one, we have to start with this one It's the first one that came in and it's quality Que rica pregunta, as I said on Twitter And it's from Don Cafecito And he says, with my belly full of papayong, Not Papa John, papayom It's written in in a Spanish way I now wonder where can I find the inspiring picture of Mount Everest that Neville showed his team after the New England match? Even the DPs are performing better. Is that really all it took? Laughing emoji, laughing emoji with, with the teardrops. For those that might not know what, what Don Cavicito is referencing, Phil Neville in the post-game press conference this weekend said that after the 5-0 defeat to the New England Revolution, you know the team had, had practically hit rock bottom. And that he and the staff showed the players a picture of... Mount Everest a mountain to say that they had to climb this mountain together and that's the only way that they were going to be able to turn this thing around and be anywhere close to what they want to be so that's what Don Confesito is referring to now now we can answer the question Steve is this really all it took and where can he find this inspiring picture of Mount Everest? I mean, you
1: could I'm sure you can find pictures of Mount Everest everywhere. You know, like But this of...
0: exact picture. We need this no, picture. This inspiring that. picture that, that has Gonzalo Higuain running uh, off the ball, that has Rodolfo Pizarro more creative, that has Blaise Matuidi more focused and concentrated. Where can we find that picture? You're in brujo, man. Something. You're el brujo.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe you have to scale Mount Everest to see it. I'm not sure, I don't know. <laughs> um, whatever it did, whatever it did, it worked. Maybe it be a different mountain next week, we don't know.
0: <laughs> Look, I, I, again, I'll go back to what I said towards the end of the last segment and something that I don't think uh, I touched on as much as I would like to. But I think what happened after that game, not only did the team really dig deep, but I think Phil Neville solidified the team defensively by changing the formation and coming to terms with Look, the team is talented. It has talented players in the attack. But it doesn't really function well that well in the final third. And he has made the team more defensive-minded. Remember, initially he wanted a possession-based team that high-pressed. We've seen some high-pressing. We've seen better possession. But it's all come as a result of trying to be more defensively solid. And that, that is why we've seen him throw numbers back... Um, the performances aren't masterclasses in football. It's not like you're seeing uh, a lot of great quality soccer, in, especially in the final third. But it's it's improved Inter-Miami. It's improved the team. It's improved the functioning of the team. It has helped players raise their levels by playing more to their strengths. So that's why I think you're seeing him stick with this formation by and large with, with five defenders because it just closes those spaces in behind and makes Inter-Miami... Uh, stronger defensively which then in turn allows them to, to stay in games and then show their other qualities in in the midfield and in the attack so i think that's what's really really helped more so than than the picture of of mount Everest. next question comes from daniel mejia mathematically we're still in it but given our dreadful overall record any chance we actually make the playoffs primo you can start there
1: yeah absolutely yeah why not um as you say still what seven how many games to go now so there's uh,
0: there'll be, there's 18 18 to go
1: 18 games it's a lot of points they're only 8 points off I think now like we said um, the playoff zone yeah why not just have to keep winning
0: can they can they yes can they actually make the playoffs yes obviously they're they're within reach and there's a lot of the season left um, you know Matt. he says mathematically and, and in Spanish they always say saca la calculadora like bring out the calculator and start doing the math for how many points you need um, to get there and, and which games you can win. There's enough games where Inter-Miami, if they keep up the level that they've been showing, they absolutely they absolutely can make the playoffs. Absolutely. Will they? We'll see. We'll see. Again, this has been a good run, an improved run. It's a record run for, for the franchise history in terms of not losing a game. But even in that, they've only won twice. And if you look at the, the bigger picture, they've only won twice in the last, what, 10 games so they have to keep this level up and not revert back to the other level which is a challenge we'll see how how they do in that regard especially when teams now start to adjust to the adjustments they've made if that makes sense next question comes from fighting Herons, and this one's directed well i guess it's directed at us but it's you know more than directed at you steve can el primo let us know the score for this saturday's game at the beginning of the episode i need to call my bookie <laughs>
1: Only if you give me 5%.
0: <laughs> Only if you give me 5%. Well, that's it's very generous of you, Steve. Very generous. Um, Yeah, Steve, look. See, you, you've been hitting the nail on the head, so you're, mm. uh, you're doing your thing, man. You're doing your thing. Next question comes from Pablo Coppola. Are we starting to see Neville figure out the league with the substitution patterns and tactical adjustments? Steve, I'll let you start there because... I just touched on this a little bit in terms of the the adjustments he's made with the team. Maybe not so much with the substitutions, which I'll I'll, I'll touch on in a second. But I'll let, I'll let you begin there.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you know he's 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 like we said earlier. He's he's just trying to find working with the players and trying to find the right systems and who who, who fits there. And you know, remember this is his first. I mean, obviously he was manager of the women's England women's national team, but this is his first club management. Role, as in him being, you know, the, the the head coach in Valencia. He was assistant to his brother, and then to Nuno Espirito Santo, you know, the new Spurs manager, who was at Wolves. Um, so, you know, he he's a he's a newish coach, I guess, in terms of just running, you know, a team like this. So, you know, I, I keep saying, just give him a season, see and see where see where the team are at then. But um, yeah, I think he's starting to find his feet for sure.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think he's like I said multiple times on this pod. I think he's figuring the team out and players. and what they can and can't give them it's you know every coach has his own philosophy and it's ideal you know an ideal scenario you'd be able to play that but but you have to work with what you've got in front of you I think that's one thing that Diego Alonso did not do a good job of last year was was make adjustments to the team he had with him I think Phil Neville has realized what the strengths are of certain players and the overall team and he's now made adjustments that maybe aren't what he wants to play not the type of soccer he envisioned or the type of football he envisioned when he arrived but it's what's getting them results now. So I think he's, he's making those adjustments. His substitutions have also proven a lot more effective. He's going to his bench quicker. He's making, Players are making an impact that are coming off the bench. We saw that this weekend with Indiana Vassilev and Federico Iguain. Both substitutes combining for the goal. So he's, he's gaining more confidence with the team. And as a result team is also gaining more confidence and players are gaining more confidence because now they're, they're winning games. So I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an overall, it's an all thing. It's not just one thing. It's just overall he's, he's figuring things out with, with the group of players that he has right now. Next question comes from Gabe P. I don't see a way out for Carranza. If we can't sell him nor we play him, what would you do with him? Should we keep Makun on the left center back position and grow him to become a starter next year? Or should we play players that we would need to sell next year? How many players will we keep from our best 11 at the end of the year? We will probably need to get rid of one DP and four TAM, target allocation money players. Maybe sub those for a young DP and two under 2020 initiative players. Do you see that happening? So there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack. Um, I will touch on the McCoon part. I will touch on the McCoon part because I think Christian McCoon in this game, he was pretty good. And he's been pretty good over these last few games as one of the three center backs. He's looking a lot more comfortable with the ball at his feet. Because before, dating back to last year, I, I, I saw a player that didn't like the ball at his feet. I saw a player that would smash the ball, even even throughout early parts of this year, would smash the ball into the stands or kick the ball high up the field whenever he got to it. He just didn't look like a player that felt good on the ball. But credit to Phil Neville and the staff and credit to Christian McCoon for the execution. They've given him the confidence to say, hey, look, we know you can play with the ball at your feet more. Do it. Take you know take chances while being smart, and he's he's doing a good job of that. Something I asked him uh, post game because he did speak to us post game. Christian McCune did, and it's something that he briefly briefly mentioned. So um, you know I, th- I think he's going to continue to get looks. I think he's going to continue to get looks. Maybe not this weekend because Miami might move out of that formation, but I expect him to to continue to get looks now and in the and in the longer term future if he can keep up this level. Because again, he's he's young and he's showing very interesting improvements. Steve, so that we don't harp on any one question of these many questions here from Gay P, I'll let you choose which one you want there. Although I think the Carranza one is one that you, you'd probably be interested If If he says, Gay P says, if we can't sell him or we play him, what should you do with him? So what do you think Inter Miami should do with Carranza?
1: I don't think, I mean, there's nothing they can, I mean, they could try and get him to maybe play better. Um, just, yeah, it just, it, hasn't, it just hasn't happened for him, has it really, at all. Um, but, I mean, the, the window's closed now, so there's not really going to be what, any movement at all, is there?
0: Well, I mean, they could sell him if somebody buys him from a, a, a market that has their windows still open. But yeah, no, one's so. him, no one's buying him this, this summer. No one's buying him no, this summer. They'll have they, to be in the winter.
1: And they're not going to be able to get anyone else in, are they? That's the problem. So it's no, kind not, of... Yeah,
0: they definitely can't get anybody in. The, the, the window's no, closed. So. Um, but they, yeah, they but, could sell him in the winter. I think that's what they, they would probably have to do. Yeah. Sell him back to an Argentina team cut your losses you're paying him close to 900,000 uh so they, obviously that's not you're not getting a good return on that so like Pellegrini maybe find him a solution where he, you know he probably wants more minutes than he's getting so I'm sure that they, it could be resolved in some way shape or form although he again he is on a pretty good bit of coin so that's something that has to be considered um next question comes from Elder Bar who changed his profile picture it's now a picture of of an inter miami game one of the first games actually from the very first game from uh the inter miami lafc game in 2020 and he says did we do things right this time with the signings of gibbs marsman indiana and gregory not saying they are amazing but their resumes say they should cost a good amount or will we have another issue like we did recently with salaries and signings steve you want to start there
1: no there have been four good signings he also picked out nick marsman again didn't he that was the other night he said um you know the the goalkeeper's really really helped us just with his I think his presence his distribution is good isn't it? Um, yeah he he made that point the other night that you know he's been pleased with him he's been pleased with Kieran Gibbs, Grigore has been you know has, has been great and we've also talked about Vasilev. so yeah I think and then there's Leerdam also that came in wasn't it Joven Jones so there has been play there has been you know obviously movement with with players um, it's just the, the the bigger assets they can't seem to you know, get the, get the best of. But the guys they brought in, uh, I think they've all done well, yeah.
0: I think the question was more along the lines of, did they do the right thing when well, signing these, when we're signing these players? Did they make any issues? Did they have any issues? Obviously, we don't know, but I will... No, I mean, listen, I would put I would put. Listen, my, love, would put my neck on the line. I would put my neck on the line to say Chris Henderson is not going to do what Paul McDonough did and, and sign players in... In ways that are illegal for MLS roster rules and regulations, I'm pretty confident in saying that I think Chris Henderson plays by by the rules and, and does things by the book. Um, I would venture to, to put my neck out on the line to say that. So, especially especially after this happened last time, so I don't think there's any worry any worry there if that if that's more along the lines of what the question was about.
1: Um, no, listen, Inter probably being watched like a hawk considering what you know what happened with Matuidi. So they wouldn't take any risks and, and you know, it's a different regime now, different front office It's you know, those people have, or the, certainly the, the, the perpetrators before have, have, have gone. So, um, I didn't even think about that until you mentioned it to be fair. Yeah. But they, I could, you know, they
0: have to, they're going to be, it's like, you know, when you're a, a kid in school and you're, you just got in trouble you're going to be on your best behavior so you don't Absolutely. get in trouble again. Last question comes from Endo. Any logical reason why people think Pipa won't get 20-plus goals this season? Our wingers need to score some goals. What areas do we need to improve on the attack to get better clear-cut chances for Robinson or Morgan, per se? I
1: mean... I mean no there's,
0: there's a lot. There's a lot. You know, they, they would have to take more chances. They would have to have a, more of a true playmaker on the field. They would have to make runs in behind. But again, these are not only personnel questions. These are tactical questions as well. And right now with how Inter Miami is playing and how Inter Miami is focusing on being defensive-minded first, being solid defensively, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of chances. I agree that other players need to score goals, although we're starting to see you know, Indiana Vassalov score this week. We saw Robbie Robinson score not too long ago, so... Other players are starting to contribute, but yes, there needs to still be a, a raise in production overall. However, when you have tactics that are more reactive, it's going to be tough to, to create a whole lot. So I don't know how much, how much better Inter Miami can get with how they're playing in terms of the attack, but I agree that, that there is some room for improvement. And if hey, look, if Pizarro can, can, can do more of what he did in the first half on a more consistent basis, then I also think that helps open the door for other players to score. Because like I said, we saw Kelvin near have a good opportunity off a good, little from Pizarro pass in the first half. And then we saw Kieran Gibbs also have a, a shot on goal off of a, more of a simple pass from Pizarro, but it helped generate that, that, that scoring opportunity.
1: This could be it. This could be Pizarro's time. You know, he could all of a sudden find his form and lead them, lead them into the playoffs um Yeah, I mean, you, you just you, you never you never know. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? That'd you don't nice, you don't even baguette. believe that.
0: You don't even believe what yeah, you're like,
1: saying. Could It's up to him if wants. look, he's not a, he's a, not a
0: true number ten. He's not a true number ten. So like, well, look, I I think we can see more could, of that. I think we can see more of what we saw. Like I said just now, we can see more of that type of play for him. But I don't think over the course of ninety minutes he's going to do that over and over and over again because he's just not that type of player. He's more of a player that likes to to move the ball, distribute the ball. Not necessarily someone that has the vision. Or that breaks the the defensive line with through balls and things of the like. Can he do it on occasion? Sure. Can he do it more than he's been doing it? Absolutely. But is he going to do that on a regular basis and give you that threat consistently? I personally don't think so. I just don't think he has that in his repertoire to do that consistently.
1: Well, we will see if he can do it or not.
0: But he's not that type of player. So, like you know, like...
1: Yeah, yeah I, but, no, but he can you still influence a put game, it in. though, man. He can still take anyone when he is and influence sure, a game and, sure, but, and you know drag the team with him. He's, he's 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 supposed to be that caliber of player.
0: Sure, but it'd be like asking you know, and this is being extreme here, but it'd be like saying to go Higuain, be as fast as Robbie Robinson. You know, like oh, if, I mean, if that's not if that's not the type of player you are, it's just not the type of player you are. Um, again, he can no, get better. Play
1: well, play well on a consistent basis. And he hasn't he hasn't done that, but well, he can do now.
0: But the question is, how do they get better in the attack? I think him. He's he's he a possible help. sure he, he would definitely help. helps he definitely helps big time even look but even look Federico Higuain. we're we're going off track here but even Federico Higuain, Um he created a goal this weekend from across from deep but but he has not been creating a whole lot for Inter Miami even in his recent performances he hasn't been like the the number tens just aren't creating much I think again that's part of it's tactical I don't think. Phil Neville wants the players to be running into space as much as he wants them to check for the ball and play to feet. So I think part of it is tactical as well. So, But yes, Pizarro, if he, Pizarro plays better then that should help generate more chances. Steve, that does it for the Q&A session. Let's wrap up with your final thoughts. I'll give mine and we'll call it the show after that.
1: No, um, I thought just, yeah, I thought the second half was, was enjoyable the other day. I don't think they it hasn't been that enjoyable recently. I thought it was just exciting. And, yeah, I just loved meeting all the our, our fans or, or our listeners, sorry. And it was so cool to see people and know that, you know, they appreciate what we're doing, man. I thought that was so cool.
0: Well, we definitely should try to meet up with some of them before a game. I know your schedule super hectic and tight, but one of these home games we should sure. try to... We should try to meet with some of them before. I've done it before, where I've gone to some of the pregame tailgates and then had some some banter and some talks, some soccer talks with some of the listeners, which has been fun. It's good to put faces to names and get to know you guys on a more personal level as well. So let's try to let's try to coordinate that, Steve. Let, let's try to do that. Um, if not before the end of August, at least by September. Let's try to make yeah. that. Let's try to make that happen. My final thought is that. I'm going to give a big thank you to Michelle Kaufman of the Miami Herald because I will be freelancing for them this weekend. It'll be my first byline in the Miami Herald. I'm just doing it on a temporary thing, just a one-time thing to, to fill in for her because she is on vacation, but I appreciate so much the gesture especially right now that I'm a little bit in in limbo with regards to what my writing future is so thank you Michelle and thank you for the Miami Herald for the opportunity this weekend I'm really looking forward to it big local paper that uh you know from a personal standpoint uh it would be a nice little little milestone a nice little feather in the cap so hopefully Inter Miami gives me and, and all of us, something to talk about and something to, to definitely write about.
1: It's now going to be a dreadful nil nil and <laughs> You're going to be struggling to write 900 words, and you'll be thinking, <laughs> Why? Why did I turn fake? No, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's listen, see.
0: Listen, no, see, you just did your. You just did your hedging your bets thing where you say one score and now you said another one. So now if you, now if it comes out to be 0-0, you're going to be like, oh, look, I said it at the end of the pod. You see? You see how no, you do that? No, this, is that, like that. So <laughs> this is part of your Brujo magic. This is part of your Brujo magic. You throw out like three predictions and then you get one right. No, I'm just teasing. That does it for this week's pod. Thank you guys again so much for listening. We will be back next week to review the New York City FC match. We will preview the midweek game against the Chicago Fire. And we'll probably have two episodes next week, given that there's another busy slate. So, for Steve Brenner, I am Franco Penizo. This is Miami Total Football Radio. And we'll talk to you guys again there. soon.